Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is your host for today, Robbie Martin. And today I am bringing on a very special guest who we've had on the podcast many times before. Adult film actor, writer, and activist, Connor Habib. Connor now hosts his own podcast, which is available on YouTube and other platforms called Against Everyone with Connor Habib. Um, and his podcast is now up to episode 25. Uh, they have a great pool of different styles of guests uh, who have expertise in all different areas. So I highly recommend everybody listening, check out Connor's podcast. But today I'm bringing Connor on Media Roots to talk about something that I don't think most people realize is going on. And it has to do with, I think it's an issue that really affects us all, people interested in freedom of speech, freedom of expression, and just freedom and civil rights in general in this country. And it's an issue that I think it's largely marginalized because it's considered taboo by a lot of people. And that is the issue of sex workers. And most people think of sex workers as being only people who, you know, perform prostitution. But sex workers encompass a lot more than that, uh, including porn stars, uh, cam models. It's an umbrella that describes a lot of different people. What's happening right now is the Senate just passed a bill overwhelmingly. The acronym for it is FOSTA-SESTA. And it's essentially a law that was designed to stop sex trafficking by punishing websites that they describe as allowing sex trafficking, primarily child sex trafficking. On March 28, 2018, seven men associated with running the page running the website back page were indicted on federal charges. They range from conspiracy, conspiracy to commit money laundering, concealment of money laundering, international promotional money laundering, transactional money laundering, and forfeiture allegations. The indictment was unsealed on April 8th, 2018, shortly after we recorded the following podcast. But really quickly, let me give you an overview of what's in this actual indictment against the website Backpage. Sex workers' rights advocate and journalist Melissa Gura Grant uh, put together a Twitter thread breaking down this indictment. I'm going to read a few quotes from her breakdown of what this indictment says in it. And these are all quotes attributed to her Twitter thread. She says, About half the people identified as victims in the indictment were involved in placing ads for themselves on Backpage. This phrasing, victim was sold sex, appears throughout, though there is no indication anyone was selling someone other than the victim themselves. In all, 17 people are identified as victims in the indictment, though it is not clear, one, what they are victims of, Two, if Backpage is liable for that victimization. And three, a broader question, if Backpage is responsible for that victimization. The DOJ charges Backpage under the Travel Act, a federal law alleging Backpage violated Arizona state prostitution law by publishing sex work ads. That's the end game here, to redefine publishing ads as a crime, quote, facilitating prostitution. The DOJ also wants to seize 10 properties, apparently belonging to some of the people that run the the website. If they are underage, then legally they qualify as trafficking victims, even if there was not a trafficker per se. And this is just my own commentary here, going back to what she said earlier in this thread, that about half of the people in this total of 17 identified as victims placed ads for themselves on Backpage, and it says so in the indictment. Now, for people who have listened to Connor before or follow him or have listened to this podcast before, you know that sex trafficking is is sort of a a catch-all term that legislators and politicians and sort of Puritans, you know, like evangelicals will use as a catch-all phrase to describe all forms of prostitution, when yet most human trafficking, quote-unquote, actually happens in more, much more frequently and was much more common in other fields of labor that have absolutely nothing to do with sex work. 
Um, but this is the way that legislators and politicians have been able to fearmonger the public, and especially now when you have people like evangelicals and Christians who think that that they believe that there's child pedophile, elite child pedophile rings that are happening all over the country, um, and they actually believe that Trump is closing down the elite pedo rings, and you know they see things like this, um, these bills, these these uh, sex trafficking bills, as something showing them that Trump is cracking down on child sex trafficking um, and, and pedos. But yet, that's obviously not what's happening. So I have Connor on today to help sift through some of this disinformation <laughs> and actually explain why this is so dangerous, not just for sex workers and the people that you know partake in sex workers' services, but also just for sexual expression in general and and freedom in this country. So, Connor, why don't you just uh, start by maybe explaining a little bit about why this issue is so important to you? I don't know. Comment on anything I've I've said so far. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll start with the evangelicals not speaking out about Jesus, sex trafficking, Mary Magdalene. Um, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I. Okay, so. There's a lot of places to start with this story. Um, <laughs> we can go back to 2015 for the raids of the rent boy offices from Homeland Security. We can talk about Kamala Harris suing Backpage, um, which is a sex worker service um, website. So it was rent boy, but it was gay. Um, we can start with the sort of – we can start with SESTA-FOSTA – we can start with actually some of the other laws that have already sprung up around SESTA-FOSTA and, and all that. The, the main picture I want to paint for people is this network of policies and gestures that uh, oppress people who make adult consensual decisions to have uh, paid for and paid uh, adult uh, sex, consensual sex between <laughs> consenting individuals. Now, there's been a bit of a war on these forms of expression for a long time, and that includes pornography, by the way. So it's not just that you're the buyer um, or you're someone that's directly paying someone for service, for sexual services. It could also be that you're paying or not paying, as it were, to watch pornography. There, These policies are all webbed together. So let me just start by saying this SESTA-FOSTA law, the Stop Enabling Sex Trafficking Act, which is merged with the Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act and is slated to be signed into law by Trump next week. Can I just so stop you for one yeah. second, Connor? Just so people know, the bill we're actually talking about is technically called H.R. 1865. Um, and this, the Senate describes it as allows states and victims to fight online sex trafficking act of 2017. Um, right. Almost everybody voted yay on it. The only two no votes were Rand Paul mm -hmm. and Senator Ron Wyden. And oddly, the only person to not vote was Senator John McCain. So I just wanted to to put out those specifics and just continue with what you were saying. Right. Although, although McCain is, is widely promoting it and saying it's a victory and all that sort of stuff. Right. So, um, the, so let me just, you know, paint a picture a little bit of what these laws are, these bills are emerging into. Okay. So we already have a culture where sex workers are, and, and porn performers are oppressed in many ways. I'm not just talking about cultural stigma, although that is a foundation stone in all of this, cultural stigma against pornography, sex, and sex work. Um, but I am talking about specific policies from companies and governments um, and different levels of government that keep sex workers in check constantly. Obviously – Prostitution is illegal in most places in this country. Filming pornography is illegal in most places in this country, though you wouldn't know it if you just asked the average person on the street. It's it's fine to shoot porn in California and New Hampshire, everywhere else. You know, a lot of times they'll turn a blind eye, but uh, you could get busted for filming porn in other states. So, but we're also talking about the actual policies of places like Bank of America. Capital One, 
um, chase that have closed down porn performers accounts, um, financial uh, discrimination from payment processors like PayPal and Square, Stripe, Google Wallet, on and on that uh, stop you from using their platform or their their processor for any adult services that could include porn or sex work, um, crowdfunding sites like GoFundMe, um, advertising tools, Facebook ads, that kind of stuff. So there's already this huge <laughs> network of policies that are in place that are oppressing um, people who, again, want to make adult decisions having consensual sex or watching consensual sex between adults. So now um, – Just really quickly, th- those yeah. – so a lot of those things you mentioned are not government imposed legislation. It's the corporations imposing their own policy to censor or to not allow those kinds of transactions. Well, a lot of them are entangled, right? Okay. So, so some of the bank stuff was entangled with something called operation choke point. <laughs> um, there are, and I'm not going to go into all the details of all of them, but, uh, other things are sort of entangled in this idea that like if someone under 18 should come across pornography, then, you know, that then it's violating all sorts of laws. Okay. So they're all sort of meshed together and we see this in tech again and again, and as part of what's happening with SESTA and FOSTA, where the fear of being pursued by the government is enough, whether or not there's tested legislation, the fear of being pursued by the government is enough for them to institute some sort of strict policy or another. Um, So with SESTA-FOSTA, the idea here is um, that any website that is seen to enable, so this is a strange word, enable sex trafficking um, can be found guilty of a federal offense. Um, so people's, so, so the site can be shut down. The people who are responsible for the site can go to prison. Okay. So what just happened yesterday was Backpage was seized. If you go to backpage.com as of this recording, you'll see an image that says it's seized. Um, it has sort of those like very cheesy, you know, uh, little model like uh, government stamps on it. If you've seen uh, they, when the Silk Road was seized, it looks a pretty much identical, similar, okay, yeah, similar okay, signage and logos up there. Yeah, and then they 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 raided the house of uh, one of the founders of of Backpage. His name uh, is Michael Lacey. Yes, and I don't know that they, as of just right now, they have not. The the charges are still sealed. Like we don't exactly know. Mm-hmm. Um, what the, the, the specific charges will be. Um, so so the idea – and that's before SESTA-FOSTA signed, right? Okay. <laughs> the Backpage thing has inspired SESTA-FOSTA into existence. And the Backpage wars, basically we can locate that with Kamala Harris who had pursued this sort of constant battle against Backpage. Backpage is primarily a space where – Uh, consensual sex workers were advertising and screening clients. At a certain point, their information was pushed onto different parts of the site because adult services had been shut down, you know, as a result of this, you know, dogged pursuit by Kamala Harris. So, um, but because this new law that's going into place is saying that the site is responsible for whatever its users do. Now, I want you to think about that. <laughs> the, the site is responsible for however its users use it. Okay, so you could have millions of users and you are now responsible for what each of them does um, and you're enabling them uh, it, as in this sort of overbroad languaging of this legislation. And the legislation applies retroactively. So Backpage has been sued. I mean, it's been seized. It has was was sued. Now it's seized, and the charges are sealed. And Trump is signing this thing. Apparently, next week is when he's said to be signing it. Okay, so that means that basically any site they want to shut down, they can find and come up with a reason to shut down under this guise of sex trafficking. It certainly applies to porn sites. It certainly applies to escorting sites. 
sites that use personals, like so Craigslist, in fear of what was going to happen, they just eliminated their entire personal section. And this is – I'm not being conspiratorial. It says on the site. This is because of FOSTA. I'll, so, I'll, I'll read it actually what it says. It, yeah. I mean – and I just want to stop you there because that this I think this is very important because Craigslist didn't just shut down, you know, uh, parts of their website that were directly about escorts. They shut down all personals. Um, that's huge. Uh, I my I have a friend that met his wife on Craigslist personals. I mean, this is like something that you know kind of predated the popularity of of things like Tinder and OkCupid, where um, a lot of people. A lot of people use Craigslist personals for non, I'm just saying for non-sex work purposes even. Um, And so that's, and that's, I mean, I think that really goes to show how much of a chilling effect this is having. Um, Craigslist actually says on their website, and when you go, you know, you go to it and try to click for information on their personals, it says seeking to subject websites to criminal and civil liability when third parties, users misuse online personals unlawfully. Any tool or service can be misused. We can't take such a risk without jeopardizing all our other services. So we are regretfully taking Craigslist personals offline. Hopefully we can bring them back someday. To the millions of spouses, partners, and couples who met through Craigslist, we wish you every happiness. Um... I mean, that's not an exaggeration. There are probably millions of people out there who met their partners or met people, you know, hookups or people they stayed in long-term relationships with through Craigslist. Sure. Or, and, and it's a place where closeted gay men, where trans people would go to meet sexual partners, um, that sort of stuff. So I think it, it has an effect on a lot of groups that you might not think about initially um, when stuff like this happens. So like also um, – you know, the the Reddit groups that were like related to sex work were shut down by Reddit. So um, certain escorting sites have already shut down. Uh, some escorting sites have said you can't say your rate on here anymore. OK, now I want you to think about that as well. So like if you're an escort and you're saying this is my rate. And you're filtering out people just by saying you charge $300, $400, $500 an hour or whatever. And now you have to have direct contact with everybody to talk about your rates and then probably negotiate. Their people notoriously want to negotiate with sex workers' rates. So it also um, removes certain screening services. It makes it harder for you to um, – screen clients, which makes it harder for – so if these sites shut down, especially, it's going to make it almost impossible to screen clients except through word of mouth. So the people who are doing sex work are going to be much more endangered by these sites being shut down. And sex trafficking is a relatively minor problem. Um, when I say relatively minor problem, I don't mean it's not horrific when it happens, but in this country – the way that sex trafficking occurs is not through sites like this for the most part. And it's also um, it, it's relatively minor compared to the vast majority of sex workers who are doing their work consensually and with knowledge of what they're doing and just, you know, making their own choices as adults. So I want to throw a few things at you that, that I read in some articles about this that are getting very little attention, mainstream attention. So I just want to emphasize that is that this is even though it's a big you know it's a big deal in the Senate um, all these sites are responding to it it's not getting the coverage that it deserves in the mainstream media. No, no except except sorry just to jump in yeah, except yeah. from celebrities who are like oh my gosh we're gonna save these little girls right like there's no no nothing celebrities like Seth Meyers and Amy Schumer who were like you know big supporters of the bill with you know, publicly without even knowing what the hell they were talking about. And it's also not getting coverage, which it very much should, from DSA people, from socialists, from Marxists, from leftists, who, after all, are supposed to be supporting workers. Now, sex workers are the workers with the least rights of almost any workers other than perhaps migrant workers in, you know, undocumented workers in this country. So if you want to talk about labor rights, if you want to talk about work and economy and class war, I mean, they're all located right there. But 
it doesn't, you know, you look at what the DSA people are talking about and labor people are talking about. It's all teacher strikes. That's great. I'm glad we're talking about teachers. But when you see a huge class of people affected um, by labor struggle and restriction to their livelihood and just not a peep on it, um, I think that that's a real problem. And these are people that I generally respect. You know, I do respect a lot of these leftist journalists in a lot of ways, but they're not doing any of the work except, you know, people like Chris Hedges who probably support the bill. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's weird because I think that it took a while for certain leftists and even like more left-leaning Democrats to really start talking about the drug war in a serious way, like about decriminalization, for example. Um, you know, when I was growing up, it was much more of a taboo. Um, you know, like you'd be like some stoner liberal hippie, you know, like pro druggy hippie or whatever, if you came out against the drug war, um, that's changed now, but yet it seems mm. like on this issue, liberty, something like almost like libertarians, unfortunately yep. are better on it consistently than just the generally leftists are, um, and I think, you you know, you mentioned this on the Lad podcast that there's definitely sort of a more um, Marxist uh, sort of far left take on this, which they're sort of like against sex work um, in, in, you know, in some circles. I'm not saying that's super common, but I've seen that point of view before. It's, it's, it's common. It's common enough. And, you know, the fact of the matter is the entire ideology about not allowing adults to do sex work consciously or knowingly is imperialistic ideology. It's the idea that we're going to go in and rescue people, even if the vast majority of them say, no, we don't want to be rescued. We're fine. We actually like what we're doing. We're okay. Maybe there are some problems, but we'll deal with them. And then, you know, going in and being like, well, we don't care. We're going to silence you and even kill you um, to save you. Going back to what you said earlier about how this is actually taking away protection. So if the if the idea for politicians and legislators is to protect people, to protect even if their idea is to protect child sex trafficking, let's narrow in on that claim specifically. In the mm-hmm. rare instance that that has happened, or an underage or a child prostitute has somehow been trafficked through one of these websites, in that instance. It's, it almost shows that their, that their whole framing is disingenuous because even if that was their goal, you would think that they'd want to keep open a portal or some sort of web form to catch those kinds of criminals because now that they've taken it away completely, what are they – so now they're just on the streets? Or it's, it seems – I mean it's, it just right. seems completely counterintuitive to their actual stated goal. Yeah, and and – it's very much so. So the idea of doing anything about um, child sex trafficking, great. Let's do something about it. This law doesn't do anything. Do that. Why? Because you're going to sue a website. It makes zero sense. And in fact, there was a court case um, in March on the 29th, and this hasn't been reported on very much, except I think really by Elizabeth Nolan Brown, who writes for reason of all places. Like you said, libertarians have actually taken up this cause quite a bit more than socialists. Um, and what what happened was um, someone was saying someone was suing backpage in Massachusetts for saying, look, uh, I think there were two was there two? Two or three people were su- suing backpage. And they were saying Backpage contributed to me being trafficked. Okay. So the judge, <laughs> the U.S. district judge, said that that was fine, that they could sue. And this is before SESTA FOSTA was passed because their claim was that Backpage actually edited the ads to make it, to obscure the fact that they were being trafficked. Now, at, what? looking at it from the outside, it doesn't look like that's true. Um, however, are they saying like a mod at Backpage did it? Like the Backpage was part of the a conspiracy to do this? Yes, yes, strange. That's what they're saying. Okay. So, but the the point of this story is not to proclaim the innocence or guilt of Backpage. It's to say that this federal, you know, or I mean, this district uh, judge, this U.S. district judge, said that 
you could sue Backpage. You could sue the website for what they did if they were actively involved in in you know creating conditions for sex trafficking. And this is before Sesta Fosta. So if that's the case, then Sesta Fosta is entirely unnecessary and completely overbroad. So the intention of Sesta Fosta, the very intention, is exposed by this case as being as being. Uh, intentionally overbroad so they could do all sorts of other things to uh, affect our sexual autonomy, to um, affect our internet freedom, to affect our access to pornography and sexual imagery, and all sorts of other kinds of information. So the the law, the bill is completely irrelevant. And everybody kind of knew that anyway. Um, there's a there's a section, I don't want to get into all the numbered details, but there there's a section of you know, these kinds of laws that provided that if you are actually <laughs> aiding and abetting sex trafficking as a website. But what they want to do is say, it, with SESTA FOSTA, is say, no, it doesn't matter really if they've actively gone in and done it. We're saying enabling. That's why this word enabling is key and really screwed up. It's just like any conditions that might enable sex trafficking. So, the intention of this law is not has nothing to do with sex trafficking victims who were protected already under better and more specific laws. Yeah, I mean it's such a sweeping broad, uh, th- you know, thing that they're trying to do, and it seems like it's intentionally designed as a way to creep into all these other, you know, forums and and create a, a general crackdown. Um, the but just honing in on but on um backpage specifically more it seems like this website um compared to any of the other ones so like there's other websites like seekingarrangements.com um you know i believe there's even some other ones that are just like backpage i know there's a website that's all i think it's like rub maps all for the uh, massage parlors and sort of those that kinds of sex work um those websites aren't being mentioned in any of this legislation that i've seen um, but there's something interesting about Backpage where um, I was reading this on BuzzFeed today. Uh, it says, this is from a BuzzFeed article about this legislation from a few days ago. It says, sex worker Christy Long, 28, told BuzzFeed News she had been arrested at a hotel south of Austin in a sting operation and interrogated about Backpage the night before the site was taken down. Police had responded to an old ad she posted on the site, she said. They asked me, do you believe that Backpage is used for sex trafficking? I told them sex workers use it. I said it was better they find victims of sex trafficking on Backpage than dead in a ditch, which is where they'll find them now that it's gone. They responded, then Backpage needs to be taken down. We will always be there to find them. Um, so that's that's something that sort of sheds a little bit more light on what is going on here. And then also, and, and not to say that Backpage is, you know, I don't know who, what these, who these people are that run the site. I don't know, you know, I, I can't say anything about their guilt or innocence. However, um, a lot of uh, people who'd used the site had complaints about that before any of this really started happening in terms of the federal legislation, um, this is from another BuzzFeed article. It says, in early 2017, Backpage shuttered its adult ad section, um, and yeah. people who had paid for ads in advance were not re- refunded. Um, the company stopped displaying adult ads in advance of a Senate hearing on whether the site knowingly facilitated child sex trafficking. Right. So, you know, I'm not saying that... Uh, any, I'm not making a judgment on what happened there, but it sounds like maybe they started to get scared in, in anticipation of this and, and, you know, in the detriment to their own user base, um, which is really unfortunate. I mean, and that this is really, it seems it's really accelerating. Um, and, you know, Backpage is, I think, is just the tip of the iceberg here. And I guess speak on that. Like, is this is this just going to be used as a portal to go after all these other websites? But... You know, not obviously not including companies like Google, for example, who's, you know, they're not going to get in trouble for this, even though on some level they're fully complicit in all the same things that, the you know, these people are accusing Backpage of. Well, well, they will get in trouble. Um, I mean, one of the ways we know that they might is that Google and a lot of other companies for once were kind of on the right side of history. They actually fought against 
Vesta in some of its formations. A lot of tech companies did because they saw how overbroad the legislation was. You mean early um, iterations of it? Yeah. And as it sort of merged with FOSTA, some of those companies dropped off. I don't know if Google ever actually dropped off. A lot of companies were um, pretty pretty adamant against how bad this was. Google recently um, started uh, – they claim it's an algorithm, but this is – what a bizarre algorithm, and I'd like to know how it works – um, started really cracking down on people sending porn through Google Drive. So I want you to take that in too. You can't send porn through Google Drive. <laughs> they, they, they don't let you anymore. <laughs> so that means that people who are legally creating pornography, sell, sending it through Google Drive to people who had paid for it, or even sometimes just exchanges between individuals, now Google finds the pornography and stops you from sending it through Drive. It like a, what about through, a movie? Just go through email. Yeah, a movie. Yeah, they can flag and delete it. They basically just delete it as fuck? soon as it goes in there. Yeah. Wow. So, And I actually started talking with someone who worked at Google – about some of this stuff and talking about their weird policy of needing to add the word porn to look at stuff um, when when actually you shouldn't have to add that word. Just a lot of uh, – for, for image search and stuff like that. And, you know, they're, they're pretty low. Well, we didn't, you know, like we don't censor porn. Like we, we just optimize search, you know, stuff, blah, blah. You know, I mean, think about Google. It's like – Everybody knows that the internet is for porn, right? And I don't say that glibly. We know that porn would overwhelm everything else on the internet. <laughs> so what companies are trying to do is filter, si siphon out the pornography so their, si so their um, sites and platforms can be used for other purposes. Okay, so I want to present that as well when we come to Backpage. A lot of sites including ones that we love and do access porn on, Twitter, et cetera, they're looking for ways to get porn off their sites. They can be used for other things. So they're already sort of rearing to go um, to get rid of what they view as a problem for user optimization. Okay, so this law is, in some ways, it's very difficult for them. Because on the one hand, they know that they're making a lot of money, getting a lot of attention, a lot of eyes, and a lot of use out of the fact that their sites can be used for porn. On the other hand, it would be also convenient for them if there were no porn there. So they're trying to hold this weird sort of balance. So the way that these companies have sort of resisted, including I would say probably back Backpage or you know Craigslist or whatever. Um, the, the way that they wanted to sort of use sex in some ways and also uh, couldn't use it quite as much as they wanted to, um, that complicated sort of knot of stuff there, um, I think is, is part of what's going on. I want to just – I want to jump back a few years and talk about some of the motivations for these laws and how they relate to Backpage and that story you just told as well because um, – I think it's important just to see some of these threads. So in August of 2015, a site called repboy.com, which was one of the biggest escorting sites, maybe the biggest um, in uh, the U.S., for gay male escorts to be hired, was raided by Homeland Security. Okay. A raid by Homeland Security on this Rentboy offices, they seized all the data. All right. And then the person who owned Rent Boy was sentenced to, I think, a few months in prison and some minor fine. And so this huge operation with this very small slap on the wrist kind of punishment, but also they seize all the info. In April of the same year, a porn performer, um, Jarek Wentworth is his porn name, tried to blackmail uh, uh, Donald Burns, who is a millionaire tech person who had donated quite a bit to um, Mitt Romney and Jeb Bush uh, and Giuliani and also some – he'd also done some work uh, or donated some money to Obama but also donated a bunch of money to the Swift Boat, John Kerry thing. And um, this guy tried to – this porn star who he hired as a rent boy tried to blackmail him for like a million dollars and an Audi. He wanted a car for some, some reason. <laughs> 
so anyway, this you know went to court. Um, Donald Burns eventually came out, and the as as someone who had hired escorts, and the judge actually tried to conceal. Looked like he tried to conceal his name for a while from the public, and then Jarek Wentworth went to jail. So that's in April 2015, and then just a few months later, Homeland Security raids Rent Boy. So that that to me indicates what some of the motivations are here. They want to seize the data, and they want to seize the data for, I think, multiple reasons. Um, and you can be very conspiratorial about it and say, well, they want to blackmail the people that are, you know, using these sites by tracing their IP addresses and all that kind of stuff, and. You know, or it could just be that they want to protect the politicians, the many, many, many politicians who have hired sex workers. Or Some both. sex workers have already begun to identify, um, you know, people that were like, <laughs> like politicians that they had, you know, met with or or sort of power players in one way or another. And uh, there's been a reward put out there for twenty five thousand dollars for anybody that can prove that they've been hired, you know, by someone who is, you know, co-authored or voted for SESTA FOSTA. So. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think that that's an interesting, you know, I don't think it's really that conspiratorial at all. Uh, maybe it would have sounded conspiratorial like 20 years ago, but now right. that now that all this stuff is just data-based and even, you know, something that obvious came out in the news recently that you could just might as well just assume already is that Grindr was selling off their um, yep. HIV status data to other companies. It's like, well, duh. I mean, I mean, not not. I'm not saying like everybody who's using it and didn't know that's an idiot. I'm saying that all these companies do that. Yeah, that's what. That's how they make money. So um, that and advertising. So it's just. Uh, it is really disturbing to think about what you're able to be, get, you know, even just these surveys they make you fill out or that you can voluntarily fill out on OkCupid, you know, there's so much detail on them that go through all of your sexual preferences or, you know, even FetLife, like, I don't know necessarily that that company isn't selling that da data off to people. Mm -hmm. um, you would like to think that a company that's specialized in kink and something that's like so personal and private for people would not do that. But, you know, I, I personally can't trust a company to not, not uh, give away data like that. But I'm going off on too much of a tangent about data right now. That's a whole other issue, which is also pretty disturbing. But just in terms of the FOSTA-SESTA legislation, um, this is also, this is actually from an Engadget uh, Violet Blue article. She says, by way of its ambiguity, FOSTA-SESTA has begun the largest wave of censorship the open internet may ever see. Mm -hmm. um, she says, and this is something that I think is really important, is that this is not just Backpage. It's not just websites like Craigslist and Reddit feeling the heat um, from this legislation about to be signed. She says, right now, sites and safety resources are falling like dominoes. In short order, sex work networks, Night Shift, City Vibe, furry personal site Pounced shut down entirely. Sites that facilitated safety and sex work, including the Erotic Review, Verify Him, Hung Angels, Your Dominatrix, and Yellow Pages shut down their discussion boards, advertising boards, and community forums. Other sites like My Free Cams have changed their policies to ban any talk about transactions of any kind. This is all before the legislation is signed. So this yeah, is FetLife, FetLife too, actually. <laughs> so would it uh, go into that a little bit? I didn't hear about that. Oh, I mean, no, it's just another instance. They, they restricted content and said, you know, certain like Dom stuff they couldn't put on there anymore because it looked like it resembled eliciting money for sex and all this. So where do we go from here, Connor, in terms of how can we warn people about what's coming? Because obviously more is coming. And, you know, I just wanted to read a Ron Wyden quote, actually, <laughs> um, really quick, because he makes a good point. He was one of the only two no votes, uh, aside from Rand Paul, for this bill. He said that the bill would lend to an onslaught of lawsuits against small websites that lack the resources to closely police user-generated content or defend themselves in court, and said it would actually benefit large internet companies. This is from Reuters. And uh, this is an actual quote from him. As he said, people following this debate might ask, 
why some of the biggest internet companies like Facebook support it. It's because it will put pull up the ladder in the tech world, leaving established giants alone at the top. And I think that he's largely correct, as that even though we know websites like Google knowingly look, you know, turn a blind eye to uh, making advertising money off of questionable child pornography ish websites, they're not going to be touched by this. It just seems like it's these people that are more that revolve around sort of uh, sexual culture, websites that specialize in sex or, or those kinds of things will mostly be affected by that. Imagine if like all the drug websites were all of a sudden like censored or taken down. You know, a lot of people I think would be like, there'd be a lot more outcry right now. Um, right. And I think that, you know, it's unfortunate that there's still so much taboo surrounding not just sex work, but also just sex in general. And I think that that's part of why this is not, getting the attention that it deserves. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's all, it, it's all those things. I mean, I think the alternate narrative of sex trafficking is really dangerous because it's not defined. And right now there are, uh, there was just a conference, uh, the coalition to end sexual exploitation conference, which featured a bunch of religious leaders, so-called leftists. <laughs> so they're there, um, and uh, and other and and so-called feminists who are at that conference were trying to say, well, porn is also sex trafficking. Okay, porn where people say, I'm here because I like doing porn is sex trafficking. So the expanding definition of sex trafficking is allowing some of this stuff to happen. So. You know, one of the things is, first of all, be very wary of this term sex trafficking and human trafficking. It's an overblown term that is, you know, it's resurrected from different points of uh, history in this country. These these sorts of this sort of narrative has shown up before in the form of something called white slavery, which you can look into. Um, but these these narratives, be suspicious of them. You know, don't just don't just take them in and especially because it's related to sex which is something that you might have a reflexive um that you might have a reflexive response to the other thing and this is for your listeners i think maybe they'll warm up to this i don't know um but i've been trying to say this to others this is a concerted effort um i don't think anybody else is really talking about this um but I think that there's a pretty, to me, apparent bridge between this and the Russiagate stuff, fake news, et cetera, et cetera. Not, I don't, I don't even need to get into the correct, or the the accuracy and reality claims of Russiagate or any of that kind of stuff. I leave that to other people, although I've pretty publicly said that I think a lot of it's bullshit, but. Um, there's a concerted effort to get onto the internet and regulate content. And these two things are happening at the same time and they appeal to different sections of our population. Um, they appeal to different political perspectives and parties. So the Russiagate stuff, you know, where we start um, regulating, you know, well, such and such site had these fake ads and now Twitter's sending out emails to its users saying, you engaged with a Russiagate, you know, account or whatever. I think that these things are setting the stage for a much larger and concerted effort to regulate um, what's happening on the internet. And it's not just about free speech, that's about a lot of things. Um, it's about government control on a lot of different levels. And so I would, I would also just sort of take a lay of the land and see what else is going on in these arenas. And if you care about that kind of stuff in one arena, care about it in the others because they're linked. And some of the same, you know, politicians who are voting on SESTA-FOSTA are supporting these other narratives as well. And I think that there are real reasons that go beyond uh, sex trafficking, go beyond this sort of like, I mean, because this is a huge, huge policy shift and a huge cultural shift and a huge shift of, you know, what kind of information is available to us to fight what is a relatively relatively minor, I guess it's a pun, but relatively small problem. Um, and I think that, again, it's a problem that needs to be addressed. But 
I'm not going to give much ground to that narrative. It's already out there so much that I don't think I need to give much ground to it. Everybody knows that we don't want kids being like sold and raped and all that kind of stuff. We we know that. That's part. I don't need to play lift service, pay lift service to that sort of thing. I think what we need to do instead is see what else is happening because of these laws and policies and pay attention to that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you raise about this just being part of the larger internet crackdown that is happening. And this gets less noticed, I guess, than other things like, you know, political free speech or whatever on YouTube, because it's, it has to deal with sex. Um, sex is a lot more taboo right now than political speeches in this country. I, I think we are seeing a shift into a sort of a more puritanical, more controlled internet. And it kind of reminds me of what Steve Jobs said a few years before he died, um, where he got into an argument with an Apple user somehow he got into an email argument with um, some iPhone user who had contacted tech support. He emailed the guy back. And at the end of the conversation, he told, he admitted to the guy that one of his goals with Apple was to keep the world safe from porn. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we'd like to think that these Silicon Valley bros who are having psychedelic fueled orgies, apparently all the time in Los Gatos and Mountain View um, are, like super sex positive people who are want who want this utopian freedom that people you know the hippie era and early internet pioneers were the you know behind but yet um that's Steve Jobs talking you know when these guys get older and they have kids themselves you know a lot of them probably have a knee jerk reaction where they don't want their kids to be able to access uh pornography online and things like that so um it is it is rather sad and I really hope that you know people see the larger issue here because I think that this is a civil liberties issue. Um, this is something that uh, people on the left should be more concerned about. And I don't think, and, and even if you don't have much, uh, you know, even if you're like not into sex workers or you don't, you know, sympathize with them very much, it's it affects all of us. Um, and I, I I would hope that you have some sympathy for them. Um, because, uh, I mean, look at what Stormy Daniels has been able to accomplish um, just by coming out with a, a one-night encounter she had with Donald Trump. I mean, just the fact that Trump's lawyer paid her off could possibly take him down in some way. So value yeah. those people. And I'm kind of actually stealing from you, Connor, a little bit with what I just <laughs> said, because you were making that point on Twitter, and I probably just totally botched your point. <laughs> no, it's fine. I... I... I'm glad you're saying it. I'm glad you've internalized it enough to say it. It's true. I mean, it's she. She's someone who, whatever you think of her politics, which are sometimes not the best, she she is. You know, she's been threatened and on multiple levels, and has decided simply to tell the truth about who is, you know, one of the most powerful people in the world right now, and is taking a lot of shit for that, and is like could put a real dent in his power, you know, and this is a porn performer. I think that people access porn all the time. They access sex work all the time. And there's not much regard for the workers that are doing it other than let's save them. No, we don't want to be saved. We actually have something to offer you beyond just, you know, um, Beyond just the sexual aspect of what we offer you, we can offer you some uh, progress in your sexual psyche and also the way that you view labor, the way that you view bodily autonomy, the way that you have sex, you know, the way you think about all kinds of individual freedoms. And, you know, sex workers are constantly bearing the burden for a culture that refuses to work on sex. So we're going to continue to do that and do that and do that. It would be really nice if people were ready to listen. And I think that, you know, that's my hope for what's happening right now, actually, is that the combination of the loss of internet freedom, 
the way that it's entangled with sex workers' rights at this moment might actually lead to one of the best chances at decriminalization that we've ever had um, in this country. Sex work is decriminalized in some other countries, you know, and Amnesty International has gone a long way to show that decriminalization of sex workers is one of the best ways to keep sex workers safe. Um, and decriminalization of sex work is the best way to end sex trafficking. You just add that sort of like, you know, decriminalizing drugs argument and just bring it over here. It's the same thing. You know, we can we can end violence against people if we decriminalize this practice. When I mean, people can access all sorts of sex work, it'll be much easier to pinpoint the kinds of sex work, you know, that aren't even sex work that's actually just trafficking. And so I think that maybe people caring about internet stuff might actually lead to people needing to distinguish between what kinds of uh, sex work are consensual and which kinds aren't. Um, I think, you know, the danger is that it could go the other way where it's just like, no, it's just all, it just should all be illegal, which is what people like Gail Dines are trying to do right now. Um, but I think that uh, this actually also gives us a good shot. So, you know, if you're listening to this, please like take this up as something that you, you care about. It can affect our culture positively on so many levels. Yeah. Please listen to Connor. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and since you're going to ask me right now anyway, where people can find me and all that sort of stuff, also pay sex workers, even if you're not. You know, like right now, a lot of sex workers need money. So sex workers have Patreons or any kind of crowdfunding that they're doing other projects on because surprise, sex workers do all sorts of things besides just sex work. Um, you know, get a lot of them need support. A lot of them need their your support more than I do. But if you choose to support me because you like this and the things I'm saying, it's just patreon.com forward slash Connor Abib. Well, thanks so much for coming on today, Connor. Thanks, man. It's always good to talk with you. And I'm so glad that you and Abby both have been, um, you know, aside from aside from a little uh, Chris Hedges partying, um, have been pretty much <laughs> covering this on the right side <laughs> for a long time. And I really appreciate that. I mean, it's just it's so needed. And uh, I'm I'm just I'm not just happy for the platform that you're giving me to speak here. I'm also happy that you're doing some work in it, and that's awesome. Well, thanks, Connor. It's all because of you, man. <laughs> thanks. If you like what you heard today on this podcast or other podcasts by Media Roots Radio, please consider donating to us on Patreon. You can do so at patreon.com slash Radio. Every little bit helps. Thank you very much.